You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. This is a special win. Uh, all of them are special, but this one, uh, just guys gritted it out. Big drive at the end. Defense held up. Took everybody today. It was, it was a lot of fun. You told us Josh McDaniels helped develop you in New England as a rookie. How much fun is it now to reunite with him as a veteran quarterback? It's awesome. It's awesome. The guy, I mean, he called a great game. Kept us uh, composed on the sideline. He's a great leader, man. He, he's doing his thing today. This is Unnecessary Roughness, live at the Splash Cantina inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Here's your boy Q. Q. 69187, keyword r It's our don'tbebroke.com text line. Of course, our phone lines are wide open when we don't have a guest, but you can give us all your feedback on the text line. Again, 69187, keyword r as we're kicking off hour number two of the show. We're joined by Amber Theo Harris from Sirius XM Radio on the Silver and Black Show. And Amber, thanks so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you as always. And the Raiders got their first victory in 2022 in October. They get their first victory this season after game number one versus Denver Broncos. It wasn't pretty, but they got it done. How important was it for them to go on the road and pick up that early W? Uh, well, first of all, congratulations on the win. It's exciting to be talking about a win week one because we do remember last year yep. uh, what it was like to cover this team and all of the questions that, that keep mounting as you just can't get that first win. So to get it out of the way right off the bat just feels like you're ahead of the game. You know, it feels like, okay, now you can start to build off of what I described yesterday on Raiders game day as there's more meat on that bone, and and I'm looking forward to seeing it. But I feel like they they got enough meat to get the win, and that was a good sign. So there's a lot of things that I took out out of this win, and one was, number one, you just said it. To win on the road is not easy in the NFL. I know people underplay it. It's very tough to go into mile high. That's a mile high. That's actually why it's called that. I don't know if you know that, Q. I just try to keep you, you know, in the loop. Appreciate you. But it's hard to breathe. (laughs) It's hard to breathe. It's hard to acclimate. I've covered a lot of games there. And on the sidelines, I have trouble breathing. Um, And so to go into a place like that that you're not used to, not acclimated to, and to to, uh, shut out the defense, or the defense only allowed three points in the second half. You know, that's huge on the road. And I think that was really encouraging that they kind of got it together. There was, trust me, there's a lot to be improved on the defense. And Max Crosby said that on, on our show last night. But I think the fact that in the third and fourth quarter, that defense looked a lot better. It's almost as if you want the Buffalo Bills to come to town today. Cause you're like, we need to keep that momentum in the fourth quarter right. going, especially for that defense. And it was also when we, we started to see, you know, Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers and kind of the long ball and Jimmy opening up a little bit more. So I'm just looking to see more. I want to see more meat. There's more meat on the bone. Let's go get it against a Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I think you said it perfectly. There's definitely a lot more meat left on that bone. What do you think changed for the defense from halftime to what they were able to do in the second half? Like you said, three points, that's nothing to shake a stick at. Yeah, I think the biggest thing was they started containing Russell Wilson a little bit more. Russell was killing him uh, outside of the pocket. Seems like every time he rolled right, he found somebody. Uh, and I think they were doing better in the middle of the field. Uh, I know the, t- the tight end Trotman killed them a couple times right down the middle. Um, and so really it began with not allowing Russell Wilson to roll outside of the pocket um, where he was able to make things happen. And, you know, that's, that's, just, a, that's just an adjustment at halftime that, you know, Patrick Graham uh, had to, to talk about, and they were able to go out and execute it. And that's, I mean, it came down to that. 
Yeah, no, it really did. What about Nate Hobbs? I mean, he, he led the team in, in tackles. I believe he had 12. Just seemed like he was all over the field and is really very comfortable in that slot position. Well, I think, you know, when you come off a year where you have some injuries and you feel like maybe you weren't, even though you ask any of those, any corners are going to tell you, I can play inside, I can play outside, I can do whatever you <laughs> ask me. That's not really true. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean, yes, you can do it, but are you, are you the best at it? You know, I, I can be a color analyst. You know, I can do it. It's not my strongest position. I'm better at play-by-play or as a host. Right. You know, so I think he was, you know, put in a position now that we there's, there's some veterans there, now that there is a Marcus Peters there, that he can roll back to his natural, more inside position, where he's more comfortable, and he just looked it across the board. And Eric Allen on our show last night really broke down how different it is. It's completely different to play in the slot versus to play outside. Um, and, and Nate Hobbs, I think, is, is put in a more natural, advantageous position. I mentioned this, I think, on your show in the preseason. It feels like, you know, Marcus Peters comes and you get other veterans that come. It just recalibrated that secondary where you feel like it's more balanced and people are where they should be. So I'm excited. That's another – I feel like we, it was a step in the right direction. We saw some, some penalties by the young kid, Ja'Korian Bennett, who I mm-hmm. think is a really good player. It, we just need to keep going, right, keep growing, uh, keep sticking together. But I think the secondary is leaps and bounds going to be better than last year. Amber Theo Harris is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Let's stick with Ja'Cory and Bennett. Uh, I saw some things that I really liked from him, like the open field tackling, the willingness to run up and, and make a play. Now, like you mentioned, he got called for some penalties. He's going to have to clean that up. But all in all, from the first time out for Ja'Cory, what would you think about his play? Well, I'm a Terp. So, you know, you have, I've been on his side since the beginning. It's I a rep. Game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I watched his game, so I was excited because I thought it's a great sounding job by the Raiders. Well, everybody's looking at Deontay Banks. You know, here's, here's this other kid out of Maryland that I think can do big things in the NFL. And as you said, the open field tackling, which has been a, which has been a weakness of the Raiders, we actually saw that in the first half with this defense. Some of the tackling was off, and I was thinking, oh, no, here we go again. They can't mm-hmm. tackle. Um, it, um, I think his instincts are there, and again, in the past, there's been players out there. I mean, last year covering the team for the first time closely, I was like, I remember looking at somebody in the press box and just saying, that guy just doesn't have, like, it seems like he has zero instinct. Doesn't, like, doesn't, he knows where he's supposed to be, but doesn't that have that instinct to go off the script. And I think Jacorian Bennett has that. So I, I'm, I'm expecting big things from him, and I think the Raiders are high on him. I mean, he was excited to watch. And, yeah, the penalties, that happens when you're young, and you beat yourself up, and then you learn, about, you learn from them and you move on. Well, i got to ask you about the offensive side of things. And one of the interviews that you guys did following the game I really caught my interest, and that was with Josh Jacobs, and the fact that he was saying that he told Jimmy, hey, you make me want to go out there and block. And that block he had at the end of the game when Jimmy ran and uh, sealed the deal – that was huge. What, what, what did you think when he said that about him wanting to go out there and block even harder for Jimmy? Well, first of all, I, I think people don't understand Jimmy Garoppolo enough because you only saw this, you saw him as a backup in, in New England. Then you saw and never get a chance in New England. Then you see him come to this weird situation with the 49ers where, like, he was given an opportunity, but then they undermine him and they – they get Trey Lance, and then create a competition, and then they're going to trade him, and then they want now. Now we need you back, and then he's playing again for most of the season last year, and you know it. And then he gets hurt again. 
I don't think people understand through that adversity what kind of leader Jimmy Garoppolo is. And I covered the 49ers fairly close over the last couple of years. Seems like it always got assigned to them. Uh, I would be in camp with them. I would talk to Jimmy. I would talk to the other players. Um, I don't think anybody ever understood what a mature, classy leader he is and the way that he handles his business. And I saw that through adverse situations. And now he's in a positive situation where he's been given the keys to the Ferrari and said, here, go drive it. Like, nobody's looking over your shoulder for the first time. You don't have to win this job. We're, like, you have the job. Don't worry about it. And he, part of the thing that he does is he's a competitor. He goes out there. We didn't see – I mean, you don't see – we. Let me, let me make sound of phrases. We didn't see over the past nine years a quarterback that often was willing to run for a first down. It just wasn't Derek Carr's thing, right? He didn't right. step up in the pocket a lot. He wasn't very mobile. So to see that, that gets players going, especially when, you know, you need that extra yard, and he isn't sliding early. You know, he, he, he was sacrificing himself out there. He was tough. And that makes a running back like Josh Jacobs be like, heck yeah. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness, live at the Splash Cantina inside the Oya Hotel and Casino. Here's your boy Q. And here we go. We're back. 3.17 is the time. Many thanks to Amber Thea Harris, who so rudely got cut off. I don't know why, but I apologize for any kind of technical difficulties that we may have encountered and may encounter moving forward. Just don't know. It's pretty frustrating. So sorry about that, Raider Nation. We do apologize. Coming up at 3.30, we think, John Arnold, a.k.a. Peg Leg Raider, will join us. Talk about what today means. We go ahead and get to some text. We've got plenty of good text to get to. 69187, keyword R&R. We are at the Splash Cantina inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We've got a bunch of prizes to give out. Raider Nation Radio T-shirts, cups, koozies. Or we just gave out our last T-shirt. We do have uh, tickets to give out as well. So whatever you want, come on by. Say what's up. We're out here again. The Splash Cantina is near the pool. We're normally in the underground lounge, but that's under construction. They're remodeling it. So we're going to do some good things out here at the Splash Cantina. So come on, hang out with us. My man Jason's here, Vice Raiders in the building. And we're having a good time. Got a text from the 415Q. After seeing what Jacoby Myers can do, you must realize that our offense is an all-star team as good as the 49ers man for man. Number one running back, number one receiver, for gosh sakes, our number three wide receiver is an all-pro. Playing with house money? No, man. Some are too close to realize this. Uh, thank you for the text. I don't, I'm not sure what you mean by playing with house money. I never said that. <laughs> that was never part of the conversation that I had at all. I uh, was talking about the 49ers' defense. That's what I was talking about when I mentioned the 49ers. I never mentioned their offense at all. Matter of fact, I've been focusing on the Raiders' defense in general because I think that that's what's really going to butter their bread this year is that their defense has to be a lot better. Their offense, I have no problem with. Their offense is going to be fantastic, right? And, and I think that at some point it'll, it'll be clicking a lot better than it even was on Sunday. But you see, the, you see the blueprint. You see the recipe. I see the quarterback. I see the running back. I know the wide receivers. I've been talking about 16 for a while saying that he was going to be a big-time compliment to 17 because he's a true number two instead of a number three or a number four. So I'm with you. I'm not too sure where you're hearing the playing with house money, this, that, and the other. But, um, yeah, that's, that's um, yeah, appreciate the text. Appreciate the feedback. LJ said, Q, what did you think watching Tyree yesterday? I was surprised to see Tillery get the starting nod, but after watching Tyree, it made sense. He was not getting off the ball well at all, it seemed. What are your thoughts? Again, that's from my guy LJ. And Yeah, I mean, there was a lot that went into what was going on with Tyree and what wasn't going on with Tyree. Uh, something I asked head coach Josh McDaniels about earlier today was the fact that it just looked like he was standing up and anticipating. 
okay, is it going to be a run or is it going to be a pass? Then let me react. You can't do that in the NFL. You can't, you can't read and react as an edge rusher. You just can't. And he knows that. Uh, I felt like it was a lot of overcompensation for what happened in the preseason game against the Cowboys. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. I feel like he's going to end up doing, you know, some really good things as an edge rusher for the, the Raiders. He's just got to, you know, he missed all training camp. He was in Denver. I mean, again, not trying to make excuses for him, but it just the situation, didn't, in my opinion, didn't set him up for success. And that's not the team didn't set him up for success. It was just the elements and what he had going on. So we'll see. Uh, you know, I think he'll continue to, to, to work himself into that situation and, and work himself into shape and be ready to rock and roll. But I got to give Tillery a lot of credit. I know he jumped off sides on fourth down, and that was bad. And it automatically made you think of, oh, here goes Jerry Tillery. But – I mean, to play on the outside, then kick inside, then go back to the outside and come up with a nice sack that Marcus Peters had a, a, a major part in. Uh, Marcus Peters cut off a, a dig route, I believe. I can't remember exactly what wide receiver it was. It might have been Sutton. It might have been so, someone else. It might have been uh, little Jordan Humphreys. I don't know. It was one of those wide receivers, but I remember he cut off the route that, that Russell Wilson was expecting to throw and it allowed Tillery a couple extra seconds, and he chased down Russell Wilson and got that sack. So that was a big deal. You know, both Max and Tillery comes up with a sack on, uh, on Sunday, and that was big. And if Marcus Peters hadn't got called for that penalty, the Raiders would have got a turnover as well. So something that we've been talking about, sacks and turnovers, they've got to be able to create it. So uh, hopefully they're, they're able to continue to do that. And their, their defense, like I said, has got to continue to improve. Um, this is from Keith and Sonora. I texted Friday afternoon and said, I don't care how the Raiders win, just win, baby. Defense was real solid in the second half. And that, I agree. Uh, I, I agree like 100%, right, that, that you've got to just find a way to win. And it doesn't matter if it's pretty. You, you want it to be pretty. But you, you just, man, you, uh, you, you just got to find a way at the end of the day to win games. And I know that there's, you know, a lot of people that are looking at it and saying, well, you know, I don't know. I don't trust it. Hey, look, again, I'd rather this team have to work on some things and clean some things up with W's as opposed to having to clean some things up with L's. So there you go. Um, let's see. We got this text from the 209. We heard you loud and clear, Q. The issue is between you because she heard you when you asked if you all lost her, but all good. I love live radio and into pre-recorded segments, so don't be sorry. We fix it. Move on. Keep doing your thing. We're all ears. Yeah, we don't know what happened. <laughs> We have no idea what happened. It was a situation that was something-something. So uh, we're working on it. So we're trying to make sure that we, we stay solid. And I, I hate that uh, I did that to Amber and didn't have any idea. She was all of a sudden gone. So there's that. Raider Joe from San Ramon said, I love the fight team. Uh, I, I love the fight that the team showed when Jimmy got hit. I don't even think I saw that with Carr. And uh, I don't know, I don't know uh, what, what it is about Jimmy, but these guys really do rally around him. I mean, there's no doubt about it. You could tell that they rally around him and they believe. And that's on both sides of the ball, not just the offense, but the defense as well. And, and they're out there trying to win with Jimmy, uh, you know, and, and, and for Jimmy. So uh, whatever, whatever it is, all I say is just keep it rolling. I'm good with that. One up, perfect. I'm good with that. Speaking of guys that are out there competing, and, and especially on the defensive side of things, when we were talking to, to Amber, we started to talk about Nate Hobbs. So want to be able to, want to let you hear what Nate Hobbs had to say in the Raiders locker room following the game. Nate, this, this is a game that last year you guys would have lost, in my opinion, but you gutted out, found a way to win it, and that's what good teams do, isn't it? They find ways to win when they're not playing their best. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about last year. Last year was last year. This year, this year. You see what we did this year. Yep. Nate, three points in the second half from the defense. Mm -hmm. uh, what adjustments did you guys make uh, from that first half in the second half? Honestly, 
It was the dog. Like we, we had the same cause going. We just had that dog in us to like step up. You know what I'm saying? Like this year is different. Like I said, so we just stepped up as a unit, as a team. I know um, everyone likes to have a blowout win, but in retrospect, thinking of what, the way you guys won this game today, where you needed yeah. defensive stats, is that something to build on and grow from? This the NFL, and I feel like. We needed that, you know what I'm saying? We needed a game like this, game one, to get us to throw us in that water, see how we react, you know what I'm saying? Throw us in the deep end, and we swam. You know what I'm saying? NFL, bro, however you win is a win. So. We know you've always been a physical guy, but you were out there really hitting people today. I mean, was that a conscious effort on your part? I'm a dog, you know what I'm saying? Wherever the ball is, I'm getting to the ball. So and what happens, happens. Y'all see what happens. Nate Hobbs right there in the Raiders locker room following the game, and you can hear him talk about from the very jump. We're not talking about last year. We're talking about this year, right? You saw what happened. They went out there and they played. He also was very physical. He backed, like Amber said, back in his natural position, back in the slot position, and you saw how he was able to fly around the ball, make plays on the ball, and, and that's, a, that's a really big deal. So uh, you're hoping that that continues. You're hoping that they continue to build off of that and, and that they realize and are able to look at the film and say, okay, this is what we did wrong. This is what we didn't do do right. Okay, we need to, we need to work on this area. And there's a lot to, to, to build off of, right? I think Trayvon Merrick's got a lot of work to do. I know he uh, was a little banged up. He had, to, had a thumb injury and, and uh, ended up having a, a club on his hand. He's got a lot of work to do. He really does. I mean, he looked like he was, he was moving pretty slow motion when he gave up that touchdown in the back of the end zone. But to his credit, you know, if we're going to criticize, we've got to give him credit as well. To his credit, when he made that open field tackle on that third down, it looked like that I thought P. Ryan was going to run right through him and be able to pick up the first down. He came up, made the tackle, and got off the field. Got the Raiders off the field with five minutes of something left in the game. And guess what? The Raiders never gave the ball back. So Trayvon Merrick, even though he's, he's been frustrating Raider Nation quite a bit, he was able to come up with a big play when they need to, and that was a big open field tackle. Him and Bennett and Hobbs all made some nice open field tackles uh, throughout that course of the, the Raiders secondary in that game, helped them win 17-16. 325 is the time. We're here at the Oyo Hotel and Cantina in Cantina. Oyo Hotel and Casino inside the Splash Cantina. That's where we're at. So, yeah, you do that three, four, five times fast and see what happens. But, uh, yeah, come on by. Hang out with us. We're going to get you hooked up with some of the great prizes that we have here. All we need is you. Coming up next, we'll talk to my guy, John Arnold, a.k.a. Peg Leg Raider. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness, live at the Splash Cantina, inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. We are back. Still taking all your feedback on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword r Again, the Splash Cantina inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino is where we're at on Monday nights. That's our location. That's how we get down. So uh, tonight's supposed to be the Jets and the Bills there in uh, New York, the New York area, <laughs> right? The Jets are hosting. And obviously, it's a special day and a very important day in the history 
of American history. And uh, I don't even know if that game's going to get played or not because there's some kind of weather issues going on right now at MetLife where nobody's even in the building. They are uh, all basically, I don't want to say evacuated, but they all, um, they all were seeking shelter the last I saw from Adam Schefter. But join us now on the phone lines to talk about the significance of this day as my guy John Arnold, a.k.a. Pegleg Raider. And Pegleg, uh, you meant spent a, a, a lot of time, a long time in the military and obviously uh, had plenty of sacrifices yourself for, for this country. When you think about 9-11, man, what, what, what goes to your mind when this day pops up each and every year? What up, Q? Um, thanks for having me on. And kind of like you were talking about in the pod this morning, um, I'll automatically go back to where I was. So yeah. it's one of those one of those lifetime events where if you're of a certain age to remember, you know exactly where you were and what you were doing. Um, and for me, the, and the world, the world's kind of crazy sometimes. So 22 years ago today, I was in San Antonio for the first time. Um, I was TDY. Uh, I was already in the military. I was TDY. So for those of you who aren't military, it's kind of like a business trip. Um, it was early morning. We were doing physical training. We were playing frisbee football of all things. And some dude just rolled up and was like, hey, somebody just flew a plane into the World Trade Center. And we all kind of looked at him and laughed it off like, okay, what, what are you talking about? Um, and looking back, it's crazy. But when he said that, I think we were thinking, you know, it was maybe like a small Cessna or something. Yeah. Um, and then one of my soldiers actually got his nose broken while we were playing. So I took him to the hospital. We walked into the emergency room, and it was dead quiet. Everybody was staring at the TV. So, of course, we turned and looked, and it was maybe a minute before the first tower fell, and we just became like everybody else, just staring at the TV, stunned, jaws dropped. Um, my soldier was standing there holding a, like a T-shirt over his nose, blood coming out of it. Nobody moved. Right. And he must have been like that for a minute. Um, and we just, like, the whole base got locked down. We got stuck in the hospital for three or four hours. I mean, nobody knew what was going on. Um, and then you kept hearing about, you know, the, the we saw the plane hit the second tower while we were in the hospital. We heard about the plane um, that hit the Pentagon and then the one in Pennsylvania. And it just shocked, stunned, and then just rage kind of was was the emotions, but I will, I would never forget that when the guy came in and said, Hey, a plane just hit the World Trade Center. And, you know, you don't, you don't expect to hear that in your lifetime. And then to see, um, buildings that have been iconic in movies and like that, they define New York and all of a sudden just going down and thinking of all the people that were in there and just what they must be going through that it was, it was a crazy time. Yeah, no, it really was. And I'm like you. When I first heard it, uh, you know, I was on my way to, to my job when I was uh, selling Kirby's and we were in the car and we were riding. And I thought the same thing you thought. Oh, a small plane just must have got off of course. And it just ran into the World Trade Center. And then I think it was a little bit later when we heard about the second one that we realized, oh, wait, hold on. This is real. Like, OK, there's something massive going on. And I'll tell you, man, as you know, that changed our world forever. Even those that weren't alive at that time, they are being affected by what happened 22 years ago just because everything changed after that happened. I mean, man, it just, it's something that kind of sends chills down your, down your spine and your neck just thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, to talk about change, so for me how it impacted and drastically changed my life. So I was a um, Spanish linguist, Army intelligence analyst, and we were, I had the counter-narcotics mi mission 
um, going in and out of South America and the Caribbean. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm a soldier and everybody else is going off the war. My job and my mission had nothing to do with that. So I ended up changing. Um, it was right about the end of my first contract. So when I re-enlisted, I changed jobs to be an all-source intelligence analyst so I could actually go off in the fight. Um, ended up at the 101st Airborne and, like, literally showed up there. And I think within a month, I was off the plane to Utah. Wow. Yeah, it's 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 massive, man. It's just it's crazy. And like I said, I think about it every single year or even when just someone says something like September 11th, I just all of a sudden flash back. And then I also, Peg Leg, remember the week after it was all said and done and, and we were starting to get back to sports and that image of John Gruden on the sideline holding the American flag, tears coming down his eyes, as many had tears going down their eyes with the national anthem playing. That was emotional as well. How big was it that sports was able to come back and at least alleviate people's minds and get it away from what had happened just a week earlier? Oh, it was huge. Um, kind of like you were talking about during uh, during COVID, like sports is, um, what do you call it? it it's one of those necessary, the necessary workers. Like, mm-hmm. we all, for the first game they had at, at NetLife Stadium, where they had all the first responders out, the firefighters and, and the police officers and paramedics, like, we had people watching that game like it was the Super Bowl. People who don't normally watch football watch that game just because of how how iconic it was that you know you you can hit us but you're not going to slow us down. You're not going you're not going to stop us as a nation. Um, it was it was incredibly powerful. And then um, I'll share with the audience like I sent you a text yesterday just going back to how powerful sports are. Um, a couple weeks ago I was in Sacramento. My mom had been in the hospital. She wasn't doing real well. She had an emergency surgery. I had to fly out there last minute. And um, your pod kept me going. It was like kind of a constant every day. It was during, uh, during um, the, I can't even think today. Um, <laughs> we played the 49ers and then we played uh, preseason. Oh, yeah, preseason, um, yeah. But like being able to listen to the pod every day, it, it provided normalcy in a really, really crazy time. And it's kind of like what, um, like the game John Gruden holding the flag and, and tears streaming down. It's, it's a necessary distraction, but it's also providing normalcy no matter what is going on in the world. Right, exactly. And so that's why, like I said, I never want to ever act like, you know, it didn't happen. I never want to act like anything that we look at and say is bad. I don't ever want to run from that, no matter if it's in the, my personal life or if it's in just in general, because I think that it's always a teaching moment. And I think we always need to acknowledge these kind of things as well, just to continue to grow as, as a society from these type of situations. So you know, the Raiders, uh, as your name is Peg Leg Raider for a reason, big-time Raider fan, they get their first victory on Sunday of the season against the Denver Broncos. Uh, how special was that, man? How, how big was that for them to get that win in week one as opposed to, well, in October like they did last season? Oh, it, it was different watching this game. Um, like, there was all the penalties and stuff. I was like, okay, normal regu- regular Raiders game. But I don't know, something about – that first drive when Jimmy got hit and had to go off to get a uh, concussion evaluated and she was just mad. Like, you could tell he wanted to be on the field. And, of course, I held my breath like everybody else. I'm thinking, oh, gosh, here we go. We couldn't even complete the first game with Jimmy. And all of a sudden, he was fighting ready to come back. And when he came back, I just – something changed for me. Like, I was a little bit more intrigued by him. Um, 
And I just, I don't know, I felt like a strange sense of calmness of maybe we can get it done. And then listening, one of the things I really liked about, about that first game was the interviews after the game. So the Nate Hobbs interview you played where he's like, no, nah, last year was last year. Um, Devontae Adams talking about when Jimmy missed him. And it was when Jimmy came up and apologized, like that respect they have in the locker room. Um, it kind of reminds me of being on a small team in the military. You have to have that, that respect for each other and the belief in each other as teammates. It makes everything just function so much better. So I'm cautiously optimistic that maybe they flip the switch. Maybe the Josh McDaniel system's working a little bit better. Maybe they're believing in each other a little bit more. But I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid, but it feels, it feels like something's a little bit different. Something, something's changing the wind is blowing. I don't know. Once again, we're talking to John Arnold, a.k.a. Peg Leg Raider. And, uh, John, I am just going to be straightforward with you. We were having some tech issues earlier, and they have, came, they have came back to bite us, yes. And so we, uh, especially with the importance of this interview, we do apologize uh, to the I listeners. I am uh, going to take us to break, and we are working on it right now, so hopefully we'll be back right, right away with Q over there at the Splash Cantina at the Oil. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Very unnecessary today, Unnecessary Roughness. Inside the Splash Cantina, inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino, we do this on Monday nights. Come join us, hang out with us like my guy Jason did and Vice Raider did. We came by, we got plenty of tickets. We've got some cups and koozies that uh, we want to give you. Shout out to my guy Peg Leg Raider. Appreciate him. Appreciate Amber Theo Harris for her efforts a little earlier as well. And we got a lot to get to still. And uh, about an hour and 15 minutes left here inside the, like I said, Splash Cantina is where we're at on Monday Night Football. We'd love to hear from you. 702-365-9200. Also, our don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. Uh, definitely appreciate Peg Leg for giving us a few minutes of his time. I uh, got a text from uh, Raider James. Said, uh, Q, safeties must have one eye on the quarterback one on their man to defend the back line of the end zone. Our safeties did not turn their heads on those two touchdowns. It's like when you play D in basketball. One eye on the defender, one eye on the ball. If the quarterback sees you're not looking, he's going to throw it. If you turn your head, he won't throw it. That's from Raider James. And, yeah, there was – obviously they got a lot of work to do. They've got to be able to clean up a lot, right? And uh, that goes for, you know, Trayvon Merrick and Marcus Epps. Marcus Epps gave up that second touchdown. But Trayvon looked like he was really slow in, in when he was trying to, trying to react. He looked like he was just, like I said, a step or two behind. And once you do that, you're, uh, you're pretty much going to lose uh, that rep every time. If you're, if you're thinking, like I said, a thinking man is a slow man. And it just looked like he was thinking a couple times. But came up with a big play when he needed to come up with a big play. And getting that open field tackle, that was a big deal. Uh, also got a text from the 818Q. Is the Splash Cantina what used to be Hooters? No, Hooters is actually – the Splash Cantina is like right behind Hooters. So if you're coming towards Hooters inside of uh, the Oyo, just keep on walking. Towards the back, there's a pool back here. I'm sure some people didn't even realize there was a pool back here, but there is. So keep it pushing towards the very back, and you'll see uh, this little area called the Splash Cantina. And that's where we're at right now. And my man Jason's sitting there at the bar enjoying a few uh, beverages, a few cold ones. And there's others that are enjoying some cold ones while we're watching ESPN in preparation for Monday Night Football, the Jets, and the Bills. So if that's where, uh, yeah, just come on by and check us out here. Vegas Pete said the owner loves Brady, who says the quarterback must be able to do three things. Think, read the D, 
Throw, be accurate and on time, and lead. Jimmy has those three in spades, especially lead. D.C. don't win that game for us. Also, uh, that Peters penalty was B.S. The pushing happens every play. This one was 40 yards away from the quarterback who ran and fumbled. Denver got homer calls for sure. We got called for 10 penalties as Vegas Peden. I agree with the, the Peters penalty thing. I didn't like it at all. The one thing that made me kind of, I don't want to say hesitate to, to call it a B.S. call, was the fact that when – and I believe it was uh, Mims, Marvin Mims, right, and his speed that he has. When he was running past Marcus Peters and he was about to run past him, it looked like Marcus just really kind of made the effort to reach and grab him so he didn't get past him. So I'm, And this is just an assumption, and I could be wrong. I'm not trying to make excuses. I, I'm assuming that the official looked up and saw him just reach and grab him, like basically say, oh, blank, he's about to pass me. I better stop him. And that's why they called the penalty because I thought he was – I thought Russell Wilson was out of the pocket, especially after I saw the replay. That's why I asked Ed Graney about it earlier because I just thought that – there you go. Hey, I like that Denver hat. <laughs> My man just walked by here. We're here with the Denver Broncos hat on. He showed it to me. So, hey, you know, it, it, you can – all walks of life are welcome here at the Splash Cantina. We're not mad at that at all, right? Someone's got to lose. So there's that. <laughs> Someone's got to root for the other guys. There's no fun. So, yeah, I thought that that was maybe the only reason – why they called that penalty, because that was rough. And that would have been a huge turnover for the Raiders. And, and again, a team and a defense that's looking to create turnovers and get to the quarterback. They got to the quarterback a couple times. They weren't able to create any turnovers, but, uh, you know, able to affect the quarterback. And, you know, I, I like the fact that Max forced a, a holding penalty, and there probably should have been about three or four called. I, I, I said it throughout the course of the game, holding all, the wife got tired of hearing me say that because there was plays that I kept saying. There's holding right there. But when Max finally forced the holding call and then the very next play he got the sack and then the very next play Russell Wilson like hurried up and got that ball out of his hands and Divine Diablo got the tackle for loss. Like that, that whole series right there you can credit to Max Crosby. Right? And, and I wish – and I, think, I can't remember who said it. I think James Lofton might have said it on the broadcast where he said, I wish that there was a stat for like holding calls forced. Because that would have been one that goes down in that, in that stat sheet for Max. Because he definitely uh, he caused the issue. And he was playing with a lot of energy. I even thought early in the game, and, and I remember telling the wife, I was like, he needs to calm down. I thought that he was so amped up that he was kind of running past plays early in the game. Early. And then it, and I think Max even mentioned it after, after, uh, after the game when he had some post-game uh, opportunities. As a matter of fact, we'll hear from Max Crosby and Devontae Adams coming up in the third hour of the show. We have no Brad Spielberger. Uh, just for, just to keep be, be keep it a buck, right? <laughs> be a hundred on it, because uh, I just I don't want to take a chance and have another guest on, on and, and interviewing them, and all of a sudden it, it drops. I just I don't I don't understand what's going on, but I don't want to do that a third time. We've we've done that. We got two strikes. I don't want to get a third strike. So we'll get Brad Spielberger from Pro Football Focus to talk about the Raiders and uh, their Pro Football Focus grades. We'll do that tomorrow. Uh, we're just not, I don't want to take a chance, but. We are open to taking your calls and, 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 of course, getting your texts. And if the call just happens to drop, a quick call, uh, I apologize. But, like I said, there's some things that are a little wonky that are going on right now. So we're uh, doing everything we can to make sure that we, uh, we clean that up. So I uh, definitely appreciate your patience with that. Uh, Brad in Concord says, so Jimmy G surprised me a little. Not that he overall played great. We all know he's a very good quarterback. But because he took some shots and an ankle roller and kept going, he doesn't appear, he doesn't appear to be made of glass like we thought. But because of his priors, all of our hearts drop every time he takes a hit. And I'm afraid that we'll all be doing this every game. I'm glad he's here, and I hope his injury history was just a stint of bad luck that stops in Vegas. Again, that's Brad and Concord. And, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I think that at some point you just 
you know, you, you hope that it doesn't happen. You realize that there's a chance that it could happen. Um, but, you know, I think that the offensive line did a really good job of protecting him on Sunday. And he did get hit a couple times. And as you mentioned, his, his ankle rolled up a little bit. And you could see that it, it hurt. Just like that first hit. You could see that it hurt, even though he was mad that they called him out of the game and, and made him go through concussion protocol. I mean, that, that, was a, that was a legit hit. And you could tell that there was something, you know, something behind it. But he got back up. He went through the, the protocol, ran back out there, and, uh, you know, and, and got back to work. So I, I can, man, totally appreciate that because I, I don't think that anybody wants to see Brian Hoyer in the game, right? So uh, Jimmy G did, like I said, a really good job, I thought, in, uh, in the first game with, uh, with the silver and black. Um, all right, hop on real quick and let me know where we are as far as these calls. I, I got them all screwed up. I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. There's a lot going on. Uh, Mark from uh, Jersey. Mark in Jersey, that's where we're at. Okay, Mark, welcome to the show. Sorry for the wait. You're, what's on your mind? <laughs> okay, now this is just his phone. <laughs> just for clarity's sake. This is common. Mark, you got us? Yeah, you got us, Yeah, Mark. I got you. There you go. All right. Yeah, I got you, Q. Hey, man. Um, just uh, basically Hobbs is uh, my standout player. Uh, he had a really great game. Um, yeah, he was all over the field defensively and um, offensively. It's got to be Myers. But uh, I had to touch on uh, Jimmy G, man. This guy's a big-time quarterback, um, wins all the time. I mean, to scramble, uh, pick up that eight yards when we need seven to finish the game, um, something we haven't done in the past. Um, and, again, closing games out. That's the difference between winning and losing. Um, you know, you got to don't give the other team the ball back. Yep. I was afraid of uh, that happening. It's happened in the past. So, uh I'm just happy for that, and, you know, moving forward with Jimmy, I think this offense is only going to get better. It was a little sluggish. Uh, as far as the defense, uh, we got to get a little more pressure. Uh, the edge has got to be a little better, a little disappointed about Wilson, but I'm not going to harp on that. We got the W, and that's all that matters. Thanks. Hey, great call, man. Great call. I definitely appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing about it. I think that that offense is going to continue to grow. Like, I have no doubt that they're going to continue to grow. They just have to get it done, right? And, uh, and, and they have the weapons there. And hopefully Jacoby Myers, who's in the concussion protocol, that was confirmed earlier today by, uh, by head coach Josh McDaniels, hopefully he's able to uh, you know, bounce back sooner rather than later. And, and if that's the case, then you know that they have a legit one-two punch. There is no doubt. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fired up by what they have. I think Josh Jacobs is going to be a lot better than what we saw on Sunday. And I'll say this. I know that Sean Payton earlier in the week had mentioned that he's not going out of his way to try to slow down Josh Jacobs. They have some key guys that they're going to focus in on, but they're not really keying in on just one particular guy. They really keyed in on Josh Jacobs. They were not going to let him wreck the game for them. And that's fine, right, because the Raiders have enough weapons because that's going to happen, right? Teams are going to take away one of their guys and maybe even two of their guys at times. And – well, they've got to have, they have more guys. And so a guy like uh, uh, Jacoby Myers is able to step up. A guy like Hunter Renfro, who had no targets on 13 snaps, he'll be able to step up at some point, right? You would think, uh, think that he'd be able to do that, so we'll see. But, uh, yeah, that was, that was good to be able to hold the ball for the last five minutes. I had a really good stat. I want to make sure I get it right. I'm looking for it right now, and I can't find it. So what we'll do is we'll take a break. We're inside the Splash Cantina right here inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We'll come back. I'll have this stat about what the Raiders did at the end of the game yesterday. Plus, we'll hear from Mad Max Crosby, and we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.